Welcome to Converge Coffee with Sean Sullivan. I'm here with Stacey Danheiser. She is the founder of Shake Marketing Group and a seasoned marketing executive specializing in building go-to-market strategies and high-performing market teams for scaling B2B organizations. She has helped transform over two dozen B2B enterprises from product pushers to customer value-led organizations. Her approach to grow revenue and profits through targeted, cohesive marketing and sales has led her clients to achieve 118% year-over-year revenue growth, Inc. 5,000 listings, over 200 million in closed sales, 90% marketing team retention, customer sweet spot growth of 207% year-over-year. Stacy is also the co-author of several marketing books covering marketing and sales alignment, customer value propositions, and how to develop high-performing marketing teams. Stacey, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, so Stacey, we're kind of talking in the green room a little bit about, um, I think, a few things, which was um, alignment came up to mind, um, kind of bridging the gap and other things. But that's kind of mentioned in your bio with just several different things, especially the kind of the, the growth metrics. And we'll, we'll get to that later in the episode. But um, I always like to ask, you know, first time guests in this is like, why, why did you start, you know, the company? Why did you start the position? So the first, you know, question right out of the gate is why start the Shake Marketing Group? Yes. Well, as you mentioned, so I first, I spent 14 years in corporate marketing. I worked for five different Fortune 500 companies. And at, after that, I kind of spent half my time in B2C, half of it in B2B. And I decided I was done with corporate and I was ready to do my own thing. So I started a consultancy really to help kind of be the partner that I always wish I had when I was working in corporate marketing. And, you know, I, I worked with a lot of agencies, really top-notch agencies in New York and LA uh, when I was in B2C. And then when I went over to B2B, um, we had some agency partners, but I never really felt like I had a consultant or somebody that I could rely on that really understood sort of that full customer life cycle and to help from customer research to value proposition creation to really understanding what it's like to work inside of an organization with a sales team who does not speak the same language as marketing. And so that's why I started it is to, to help um, with marketing and sales alignment, to help with customer research and customer insights, and then value proposition development. And it, it has evolved over time um, from, from consulting uh, to then kind of some fractional CMO work that I've done. And now I am leading a eight week mastermind mentorship program to teach a lot of these things that I have implemented within these companies, because I really want marketers to earn a seat at the table and to be seen as a strategic driver in the organization. And many of the ones that I talk to today just feel like order takers. So that's kind of my, my current mission. I love it because there's been a lot of talk even in the marketing world um, and you, you kind of see it on LinkedIn and just different things. And even the marketing leadership is that a lot of marketers are, are trying to take more of a stance on, on revenue and, and revenue generation um, kind of going into this kind of like revenue operations um, kind of point of view with the different things of just kind of seeing the full scope or the full funnel of how revenue affects marketing sales, customer experience. I mean, every, every different department, but you know, there's one way of saying that and going through the funnel. The other thing is like, how do you bridge that? And so my next question, and you've kind of um, 
you seem like a, a, a foremost expert at this in the sense of, you know, what do you mean by bridging the sophistication gap in marketing and what are kind of the steps um, or kind of insight that you can give to that? Yeah. Well, yeah. So I'll, I'll kind of take a step back and just kind of define that. So when I talk to CEOs or COOs or chief revenue officers, basically a non-marketing executive, um, the complaint, the number one complaint that they have from the marketing team is that they don't feel like marketing understands the business. They don't understand the products that we sell and they don't understand the customers. And so over time, what has happened is these, um, you know, my first job when I got out of college and I got a degree in marketing and I went and I worked for AT&T, large organization, and I was on the B2C side and um, very much my job was acquisition marketing. And so it was not related to a tactic. It was related to a goal. The goal being uh, do whatever you need to do to acquire new customers. And so we used you know, TV commercials and radio ads and direct mail and email and inside sales campaigns. I mean, every tactic that we had, we used. And what has happened with, you know, technology and marketing automation and all of that is that these jobs have, have moved so far away from a business goal. Now the job is very, very tactical. And a lot of marketing teams are organized by tactic. And so you have people that are only responsible for SEO or only responsible for social media or the website. And when, when they are so just hyper-focused on a tactic, they lose sight and they lose that connection back to the business. And they're really disconnected from customers. And so that's what I hear. And that's what I mean by this sophistication gap is that the sales team and the C-suite really want marketing to step up and be customer experts and be business experts. But marketers, meanwhile, are tactical experts. And so there's this gap between what the C-suite wants and how marketing is structured and what they're, they're currently focused on. So um, I can offer, there's kind of three, three things that I, I typically tell marketers, like if you want to uh, move from sort of this specialist into a more of a marketing leadership role, then there's, there's three shifts that will help you gain your credibility. The first one is knowing what your role is. And like I said, it's really to connect the dots between what the customers care about to what you sell and how your company can make money. And spending time internally, like one action item I would tell people to do with this is just ask your peers, your stakeholders across the product org, the sales team, um, anybody in finance, anybody that you interact with, what do you think the job of marketing is and how could marketing do better? And you'll get some very specific views and perceptions about what they think marketing is doing and what they should be doing. And you will, you will likely not hear things like, uh, very, very tactical um, social media related or website stat related. That's not what the C-suite is going to be telling you. They're going to be telling you things like, I really just, I want marketing to come up with ways to add more value to our customers and to create loyal customers. Or I want marketing to help create market awareness and to gain us a competitive advantage in the marketplace. Right. And so you're going to hear these very high level strategic goals. And, and that's, that's really the direction kind of setting the stage of, of what your role is and how you can start to do that. Um, the second is to know your customer. The greatest thing that, um, and I've seen this transform when I've, I've worked, as I mentioned, in consulting projects where the marketing organization brought me in to do customer research. And 
because they are bringing in a third party and conducting research and because marketing is the one spearheading that and bringing this to the, the C-suite table, um, all of a sudden marketing gets a seat at that table and starts to get to participate in these strategic discussions because it's not about, hey, we, we saw some people interacting with us on a social media post or we saw, well, this is what we heard at an event. No, this is very high level and, and talking about ways to create more value for the organization and ways to create more value for customers. And when marketing spearheads that and really becomes the expert in understanding what customers want, um, they automatically gain more credibility because nobody else in the, in the organization is really set up to do that. You know, you have sales people who are interacting with customers kind of on the front end of the, of the cycle to sell something. And then you have customer success teams who are, interacting with customers on the implementation or the delivery. Um, but you really need somebody overseeing the whole thing of, of how, are, how are we creating value? How are we communicating value? And how are we delivering value? And, and I believe marketing has a centralized role in being able to put together that whole customer story and, and represent that back to the business. And then the third shift is about knowing the business. So there was a stat, um, and I can't remember which organization has this, but it's uh, about 40% of marketers create goals that align with business objectives, which means 60% of marketers are creating their marketing plan sort of in a silo, not related directly to what the business is trying to achieve. And so these are, are questions that you can ask, You know, everybody, every marketer should really know what are the revenue targets? And how are we measuring this? Is it by month? Is it by quarter, by year? Is it by market? Is it by customer segment? Now, when you ask salespeople this question, they know these numbers off the top of their head. When you ask marketers, they're like, oh, I think it's in my email somewhere. I think I, our CEO sent this, some, this somewhere. I got to go back and find it. And so just knowing the numbers and, and what those targets are is a good, a good starting point. Um, secondly, would be knowing and keeping your pulse on competitors. Who are the top competitors and what makes you different or better? Now, there's some advice out there that says, oh, you should just focus on your customers and don't and ignore the competition. And you know, while I agree with that, don't obsess over the competition, the reality is there is a massive sea of sameness out there. And if you are not keeping your pulse on what the, the competitors are doing or saying, you may unknowingly just be copying them and contributing to this sea of sameness. And so that's um, sort of my advice on why you need to understand the competition and then understand which customer segments are most profitable and why. And I have multiple stories of working with companies who assume that they are going after certain customer segments. And once we start digging into the data, they realize, wow, we're actually losing money serving some of these customers, or we don't really enjoy working with some of these types of customers. And so it's, it's shifted how they, how they market and how they sell, but you have to kind of dig into the data to really understand this. And then knowing which customers um, are making you the most money and how you're making money. You know, do you sell one product or multiple products and how are customers buying those and how do these things uh, align together and maybe create a product journey for, for somebody, a customer buying one thing to the next, to the next. So I know that was a lot, but I'll, I'll summarize it. So it was, it was know what your role is, know your customers, and then know the business. 
I love it. Yeah, I have all the I have all the notes down, <laughs> and we'll have a transcription and everything too on the back end of this too. Um, so you mentioned a lot of breakdown um, with knowing the role, knowing the customer, knowing the business, and you you have shown a lot of growth for your for your clients um, and kind of being a very good trusted advisor, especially for the B two B side on this. Um, is there any like any insight in the sense of how do you bridge the gap that correlates to your, your customer successes? Like, is there, are there any, and this can go into our share the stories uh, part of this episode where if you can kind of give some insights on the kind of the correlation of like, if marketing does this, this is a kind of potential output from what they can see that would impact the business that would impact like um, customer retention, you know, marketing team retention. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some specific. Um, so, so the first thing that I like to gain alignment on, and this is we take this for granted, and but I this is where I always start when I work with organizations, which is, do we all agree on who we are targeting? Just that question alone. Um, when I ask this across the organization, between the marketing team, the sales team, the product team, the C-suite, even customer success, I get different answers. And I've worked with organizations that are all different sizes. And so you would think that this would be in a basic thing that where you could gain alignment around. Um, but what I have found is marketing tends to have their own description of who they're going after. Sales has a, let's say, more loose description typically, because unless you work in an organization where they have named accounts and assigned accounts, um, which tends to be very sophisticated, maybe larger organizations operate this way. Um, you know, then, then there is a misalignment already because the sales, and this is where marketers get into trouble with order taking because they are uh, reacting to what the salespeople need. And if you go back and say, why are we, why are we reacting so much? Oh, it's because the salesperson wants us to now go create a tailored presentation for some healthcare customer that they're getting ready to meet with. We don't have any other healthcare content because we've never really declared or agreed that we're even going after the healthcare segment. And this starts this whole entire cycle. So now every time sales has a new customer opportunity, it spins up, well, now marketing needs to go help us with this presentation and please create a case study or a use case and please you know, tailor something to be relevant to this customer. And so that's like the first thing that I would say is, is gathering that customer data as we talked about this customer segmentation data and really getting agreement. And what I advise organizations is that it doesn't mean that you can't go after a healthcare customer if we haven't declared that we are going after the healthcare segment. It just means that marketing is not going to put a ton of energy and effort into building out the healthcare segment until sales has proven that this is a viable option or that, that there's um, a good product market fit. And, and that we've done our research and we think that, yes, this is where we should be putting our, our energy um, and focus to grow this particular segment. And so, because you know, companies, I think, get, especially in um, a scaling or, you know, startup phase, get a little nervous to declare a customer, a customer segment. But it seems counterintuitive. The more we focus and the more we niche down and, and the more specific we are on who we're targeting, the better our marketing is, the more it resonates with individual customers and the more sales can actually remember the story and to be able to, to get really good at telling that story and, and rinse repeat. I mean, it goes, 
down to the vertical SaaS model versus a horizontal SaaS, where you're going very specifically and very deep to understand the the addressable market and the obtainable market. And and you're right, like just narrowing in on that, narrowing on customer segments based upon that, under, aligning your ICPs with your personas so that you can start pushing out content specifically towards that rather than trying to like serve everybody. You're serving, you know, one vertical, you know, one focus and then extending that vertical or the persona into other ones. And so it's, it's, it's very much a scientific approach versus a batched approach. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think the other, the other piece of advice that I would say is around um, marketing, developing a plan. And, you know, this is an interesting one because uh, most of the time the C-suite will jump to execution. And so depending on the stage of, of the company, you know, the first hire is usually always in the sales or business development function. And maybe the second or third hire is also in sales or business development. Eventually it gets to the point where they say, oh, we need somebody to come in for marketing. And that person is typically execution oriented. That's helping with maybe RFPs or pitch decks or event planning, um, you know, website maintenance, social media, that kind of stuff. But over time, um, the CEO is starting, it starts to get frustrated because they want marketing to come up with a plan and to stick to a plan. And this is, you know, sort of my personal philosophy of building a strategy first that you can execute. Nobody outside of marketing has an appreciation for how long things take to actually execute and to be successful and start gaining momentum. And so um, I, I really advise marketing leaders to, uh, to make sure that they have a plan and that they are setting the vision and they are telling the business how they're going to measure success. I mean, we, we have to do a lot of internal education um, because, you know, people outside of marketing did not grow up with marketing and they don't really speak marketing language. And so I love to use the customer life cycle as a visual that shows, okay, here's the different stages. Here's what we're doing to create awareness. And here's how we're measuring it. Here's what we're doing to create demand. And here's how we're measuring it. Here's what we're doing to help sales. And here's how we're measuring it. Here's what we're doing to create retention and improve, you know, the onboarding experience. And, and then ultimately, here's what we're doing to create loyalty and to get renewals and referrals um, back into the business or upsell, cross-sell opportunities. And so this becomes a, a, a good gauge for your marketing plan to look at to say, do we, you know, are we all speaking the same language? And this, the C-suite really understands the language of the customer lifecycle. Um, and so when you present it through that framework, it becomes something that everybody can kind of get on board with. And you, you can, as the marketing leader, decide what part of the, of the customer lifecycle needs the most attention. Is it, is it the awareness stage or is it sort of in the retention stage? And it's going to be different for each business. Um, we can use COVID as an example where everybody started off the year of 2020 focused on probably awareness demand and then very quickly most companies shifted to retention, secure the base because we don't want all of our customers canceling and leaving us. Right. And so um, these are just things that to make sure that you have kind of pieces of your plan aligned and that you know what you're, what you're measuring and how you're communicating that back to the business. 
about communication and alignment and speaking the same language. You know, Stacey, thank you for um, sharing that kind of the breakdown and giving, you know, applicable, actionable examples of kind of frameworks to kind of um, art articulate across um, different departments, but also roll that up to leadership and C-suite. So enough about, you know, Mark, well, we can also talk about marketing and everything else too, but this, this part of the episode <laughs> is about you, you know, kind of going dive deep, diving deeper in the sense of, you know, work, hobby and health, you know, why do you do what you do? Like, what's your passion behind that? And then what do you do to kind of recharge in the sense of, you know, hobbies or, or health wise to kind of make sure that you are the happiest and the most productive um, at what you do? Yes. Okay. So they say that you have a have a sense of what your passion and what your strengths are by the time you're about 13, which if you kind of think back to what you're doing today versus what you were into when you're 13, it seems like impossible. But when I was, uh, when I was around that age, I really wanted to start a business. I was constantly, I started a babysitting club. I wrote a kid's cookbook that I kind of cold called and sold to people with, with kids. Um, I was always trying to make something and sell something out of my locker at school. Uh, so I knew that I was going to go down this entrepreneurial path, but I also really loved um, journalism. I loved writing and creating things. Um, like I mentioned, I created a cookbook when I was 12 or 13. Um, so that kind of fast forward, I, I've discovered this kind of love of, um, of creating. And so I've written two, three books now, um, and don't really want to stop on that. So I'd say that's kind of like a hobby is, is creating content and creating books and just being, having a place to put my, my thoughts and my frameworks and my advice into. Um, so that's kind of one thing that keeps me motivated is to, um, be able to impact more people, right. With, with something that I've created and that I can sell and, and put out there. Uh, my, my way to like decompress and, um, manage stress, I guess, is I've been into yoga for 15 years. Um, and I love hot yoga. So I live in South Florida and so I could pretty much do yoga outside and it would be hot yoga, but I like to go into a studio where it's, you know, a hundred degrees doing hot yoga. Um, and then I also about 10 or 12 years ago was um, found out I was allergic to gluten. Um, and this was before kind of all the gluten-free options at the restaurants and at the grocery store. So I had to teach myself how to cook. I had to learn about nutrition and teach myself how to cook. And I was definitely not a, a cook before that. I was more of like, hey, what's easy? I'm going to have a bean burrito for dinner every night. Um, and so over time that has become really a hobby is learning how to put different ingredients together and make different sauces and, you know, get fancy or how simple can I make things? Um, and so it's, that's become kind of a joy to do for, for my family and for my friends. Well, Stacy, thank you so much for sharing that and sharing about you in the sense of, I think there's um, very much an alignment of who we are and then our extensions are just what we do as work, what we do as a hobby, but like our health wise is like, how do we, how do we have self care and how do we re-energize and take care of ourselves? But I love that you like how you've broken down things of, you know, stemming from the passion of making sure that marketing has can earn the seat at this table of 
aligning the communication with sea level and you know being proactive rather than reactive and just even your entrepreneurial spirit just kind of works through here in the sense of like how can we make this better and how can we break not break things but dismantle things and dismantle trains of thought in order to make sure that alignment and results it was proof in your pudding in the bio that you can get results if you take a step back and realign a few things. So Stacy, thank you so much for being on this episode. Awesome, thank you, thanks for having me. And to all the Converge coffee drinkers out there, that's a wrap. 